And so when Julie was sharing this morning about driving in yesterday, and I remember waking up and saying to Pam, oh, by the way, hey, honey. Hi, honey. I said to her, I said, oh, my gosh, honey, it's so foggy out there. And so I, I, I know exactly what you were, you, were, you were going through within all of us in the, in the area going through. But to be able to, to receive from God that I can't see the beautiful river because of the fog, but it doesn't mean it's not there. And sometimes with all the things that happen in our lives, it does not mean that God's goodness is not there. He is still good and he is still moving. You all receive that? It's important. It's important. And in this season, we got to be reminded of that. So I want to talk about today, I'm doing a one-time teaching, meaning that this isn't a series, but it can be it can be a series in your life. You know, that's how we grow spiritually. We grow spiritually through sunshine and rain, just day and night, sunshine and rain, just, just on and on. And what that symbolizes is um, every day reading the word of God and praying, every day receiving from the Father, just daily. And you may not see a lot of... <laughs> You may not see a lot of growth right away, but man, at one point you're going to wake up and you're going to be like, man, God has stabilized me. You know, I, I paused for a minute because Pastor Pam, I, you know, through the surgery, there's something was going on with her. She's getting more uh, strength in her leg and in her foot. And, and um, early on, it didn't seem like there was a lot, you know, of, of movement and all that kind of stuff. And we were sitting yesterday, and we were just looking at the progression of what has happened in her. And, and that kind of encouragement came up. Man, just, just, there is something to be said for the spirit, if you want to call it, the spirit of stick-to-itiveness, the ability to stay in there. He says in, in the book of Galatians, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season you'll reap if you don't faint. Uh, amplified version says, if you don't fate, if you don't quit, quit, if you don't lose heart. Uh, one way of looking at it is, don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of doing the right thing. And reading the Bible daily and praying daily, it's good. So, so I give you these passages, even though this may not be like we came out of the Joseph series. And that was a series. That was, you know, and every, every week we're stirring it up again, stirring it up again. Um, but one of the things that I've learned, even from a young Christian, is that whatever is taught on Sunday, I can go home and I can make that part of my own growth track and what God's trying to show me. But it's based on the notes. And that's why you take notes. You take notes so that you don't forget. So you don't forget. And as great a memory as you have, great a mind as you have, you could still forget some of these things that the Holy Spirit will give you in here and I've had to go back and apologize to him at times because I'll get this really cool thought this really good picture and I'll be like oh yeah I'll remember that and the Holy Spirit will be prompting me Terry write it down write it down you know he calls me Terry <laughs> you know, that's my name we'll call you by your name as, as well it's relationship and he'll say Terry write it down and I won't write it down and then later on I'm trying to recall that thing I'm like oh Lord what was that you know, and so I, I've learned how not to be in that place. So when he tells me to write something down, I want to be quick to write it down. And so I want to give you that same kind of push and tip 
take out your phone, take out a, pencil, a piece of paper, a pencil, whatever. And when these notes come, write them down. I've, given, I've got a couple definitions that I'm going to put up this morning. You know, take a picture of it. You know, take a picture of it. You know, if, if, if that helps you. But let's try and give, as I put, I've used for a long time, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. We always quote, oh, the Bible says he'll bring back everything to our remembrance. That's one of the passages of scripture in St. John chapter, you know, from 14 to 16, Jesus gives a, a pattern for what happens when he's about to leave. You know, that passage, you know, um, I'm going away to prepare a place for you, but, you know, but I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all things. And then it says, Jesus said, he'll bring back to your memory. He'll cause you to remember everything I've told you. And that's good. But let's not put all the onus and all the, you know, the, the, the push on him. Let's give him something to work with by putting something in our memory so that he can bring it, he can bring it back. Does that make sense? Help me look at somebody and say, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so I want to I talk about, during the season, I want to talk about this, um, this, again, it's a one-time teaching, and it's called um, Following the Prince of Peace. Following the Prince of Peace. I'll just give a little background. When, uh, when Adam, in the beginning, God gave everything over to Adam, and, um, and then he created Eve. And then he says, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. You know, uh, all the authority he gave to him. But then when Satan came and started trying to talk him out of what God has said, and the devil will always do that. He hasn't changed. Did God really say that? Did God really? And he'll twist it. There's that wicker thing, which is why it's important for you to know the Bible. And it doesn't mean you have to be this great theologian, but know the basics. And then get around people who you know love God and love you. People who are bigger than you that can help disciple you and guide you along. Don't live in that state of pride where it says, oh, I don't need nobody, just me and Jesus. He can tell me everything we need. No. He says, I've given you teachers. He says, love one another, pray with one another, encourage one another, bless one another. So, I, I told you before, there's over 100 one another's in the New Testament. And so it's important for us to just know what he says because the enemy is going to come and try and twist it, which is why I had to teach on this, this, uh, this message today because there are things that are going on. And the enemy will try and twist it. They'll try and twist it. And so the devil came to, to Adam trying to twist things. And he said, did God really say that? And he ended up causing Adam to give up his identity, to give up his authority. Everybody say identity and authority. Identity and authority. And that's, his, that's what the enemy wants. He's trying to get our eyes off of Jesus. In fact, uh, Pastor Mark was talking a couple weeks ago when he was talking about, I think it was the pardon test uh, during Joseph's, um, the Joseph series. And he says the, the only way that we can forgive in a, a great way is by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12. He says, you know, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He says, for consider him who went through all these different things, you know, you know, contradiction of sinners against himself, endured the shame and all that. He says, consider him who went through all that and how he responded, lest you get weary and faint in your mind. 
And there's a lot of fainting going on. There's a lot of weariness going on in such a festive season because the goal really isn't about the stuff. And there's so much shame. There's so much self-condemnation. Um, there's so much guilt in this season. And we sometimes try and hide it with the gifts. Um, and, and I'm not saying gifts are bad. Trust me, I'm not saying that. But don't let the season um, go by or what was meant to stimulate you for things of God um, uh, bring you to a place of comparison, competition, shame, loneliness, all because of looking around saying, well, I don't have that, or I can't give that, or I wish I could give that, or they received that and I didn't get any of it. See, Jesus came for a reason. He came for a reason. And there is no bike, car, shirt, lamp, none of that compares to the gift of Jesus. He is the reason for the season, and we can't, don't get it twisted. But the enemy would like to use this season to twist us out of our peace. He is the prince of peace. And that peace goes further than just the absence of noise. I'll give you a definition for peace in a minute. It's more than the absence of noise. It really has to do with the presence of a person. He's the Prince of Peace. And he is the one that came to bring peace between man and God because of God's holiness. When Adam gave in to the devil and, and you know, got banished out of the garden, you know, it was because of God's holiness. And it brought uh, wrath between man and God. It's a real thing. As much as we talk about the love of God, and you know me by now, I talk a lot about the love of God. I'm so hooked on the love of God. We need the love of God. And I'll share that as one of the points today. But let's not see the love of God and then begin um, to miss the view of God's holiness. God is holy. He's holy. He's perfect all of his ways and he's not holy for the purpose of shaming those who aren't he's holy just because that's his nature he's right he is just and good he is excellent in all things that's God so when you have off and wrong and wicked and perverted and twisted now there needs to be something that comes in to align us back with God, that's Jesus. Adam gave in to the twisted suggestion of the enemy, of the devil, and it broke relationship between God and man. But God in his love, so he's holy, but he's also love. And so his love caused him to come up with a plan, and that's to send Jesus, who is... The second Adam, Ben-Adam, Adam come again. And he went through the exact same twisted temptation that Satan, who doesn't change his tactics, took the first Adam through. And he asked him the same questions. Are you really the son of God? As if to say, just like he said to Adam, did God really say that? 
Because when Jesus came up out of the water and John baptized him, the heavens opened. You find this in Matthew 4, the heavens opened and he says, this is my beloved son. So here's identity. But soon as the temptation came, the first thing that Satan says was, if you be the son of God. So it's the twistedness. And we got to know, we got to know our identity and we have to know our identity based on what God has said. Does that make sense? I gave, a, I gave a lot there. Hopefully you took a, a couple of, you know, notes or something to, to jot that down. There's also the, um, these, uh, these messages are online, so you can go back and look at it, rewind it. Look at it, take notes, rewind it. Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me there? So that's, that's where revelation comes. And then talking to a brother or sister. That's why we have Unpacking the Point. Unpacking the Point isn't just a cool name that comes up for a Wednesday gathering. Unpacking the Point is so that we follow the model that Jesus had in Mark, the third and the fourth chapter. Jesus gave a parable. They didn't get it. Later on, he gave it publicly. Later on, the disciples came back and said, what did you mean when you said that? He said, oh, you don't get that? He said, but because you came, it's given to you to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. That's what unpacking the point is about. And I really want to encourage all of you, try and come out on unpacking the point because it helps to unpack. You know, questions can be asked, encouragement, testimonies. You know, you, you, you learn more, you grow. And the sunshine and rain, just like milk, causes the body to grow. First you and then the body together. Does that make sense? So let's put some emphasis on the, um, the follow, the follow through, the follow through. Uh, but this is, this, is how we, this is how we learn. So my whole point now is, in this teaching, is this peace that now God sent through Jesus. And you can find that in, um, uh, it's a nice passage to, to read, Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Um, and it says, you know how God sent Jesus. This is around verse 30, 32, 36, somewhere around there. How God sent Jesus um, uh, to bring about peace, preaching peace. That's what it says. Jesus came preaching peace. He came preaching peace. You know, and the Old Testament was filled because of the design of God. I just say this parenthetically. The design of God was to get us to a place where mankind, when I say get us to a place, mankind to a place where they're just so desperate. Because in the nation of Israel, God set it up where you had to jump through all of these hoops to be right. But even in that, you still couldn't be right at the end of it. And he had a promise of a Messiah that was going to come and make everything good. And that's why Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, they were all prophesied. One's coming, one's coming, one's coming. Things like a quote will be in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And for the blind, the bruised, the captive, the lame, the poor, I'm going to bring liberty. I'm going to bring healing. I'm going to bring truth. I'm going to bring peace. So that's what Jesus was. And it says that. He shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace which means the very thing that we need, which is right relationship with God. He says, I'm going to come. And everything that has been off and wrong, 
I'm going to make it right. Up to this point, you've had to come to the mountain once a year and have a priest come and get a pure lamb and sacrifice for the sins of everybody. You got to do it over and over and over. He says, but there is one coming, and he's going to be the perfect lamb. And he will enter into the presence of God, the holy of holies, once and for all. That's Jesus. And that's why I love him. I don't love him because, you know, he gave me a good marriage or we got great kids or all of that is good, and I appreciate every bit of it. But I love him because he came and found me. When I really figured this thing, when I really saw this thing that I was off, Ephesians, the, uh, the second chapter, it says, and, and such were some of you. You know, we were aliens from the promise, strangers from the commonwealth of Israel. We, we, had, we, were, we were without hope. And this is Ephesians chapter 2, if you want to just look this up. We were without hope and without God in the world. It was a mess. But then it says real quick, but God, who is rich in mercy, with his great love that he loved us with, even when we were dead in our sins, he, he, he raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where I'm at. So my position is that I'm six feet. I was born, you know, in Philadelphia, African-American, parents from Alabama, you know, so-so education, so-so, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But my real heritage is that I'm a son. My identity is that I'm a love son born of a love God. And I am an ambassador of heaven to let the world know who the king is. And there is no break, brokenness, there is no lack, there is no blindness, there is no problem that he can't fix. And not only does he want to help, he wants to invite you in to be a son and a daughter. A son and a daughter in the family of God. And the bonus is we've got that here, but then there's life everlasting where there will be no tears, no sorrow, no lack. So at the end of the day, we win. Who's got it better than us? That's why, that's why I love him. But there is an enemy that is still in the earth that's trying to twist what God has said. Twist me out of my identity. Twist me out of my authority. Twist me out of my hope. Twist me out of my peace. There is an enemy. And there is a culture that follows the pattern and the system that the enemy drives. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians, the God of this world with a little g. So it's not God. It's the God of this world, the one who got some authority from Adam. And even though Jesus got it back, there are those who have not given into Jesus so that they can receive who they are as sons and daughters again. It's important for us to stay close to the Father so that we're not walking around. Don't miss this statement so that we're not walking around as orphans. The description of an orphan is that you have to fend for yourself. You've got to take care of you. You've got to fight for you. Anything you get, you've got to get it. 
It's an orphan. The Bible says we have been adopted into the family of God. So I'm no longer an orphan. I have a father. I've got a spiritual father who has given me all things. And I know that sounds, it has the tendency to sound a little cocky. Look at this guy you're talking about God's gave him all. Listen, I'm just reading to you what the Bible says. And it's not by my works. It's not by my righteousness. It is by the mercy and the grace of God through the obedience of Jesus to the will of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit who raised him up as the firstborn of all creation. And when I accepted Jesus as my Lord, he raised me up. That's what baptism was all about. It was about me coming up out of the water and now my mind is changed from dead works to serve the living God. That's who I am. That's who I am. And I accepted that by faith. I didn't earn it. I don't have enough education for it. I don't have enough skill for it. I don't have enough, you know, wisdom for it. I don't have enough charismatic. I don't have any of that. Charisma, I don't have any of that. I just have what God gave everybody, a measure of faith. And he says, if you believe in what I did to bring my son, to bring salvation for all of the world, then I will make you my son. So I got that seed of faith, but so does Jalen, so does Vida, you know, so does Isaac, so does Dalton. You know, we, we all have it, so does Terry. We all have it. That's why, like the Apostle Paul, I plead with people, give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. So that you can experience the true peace of God. Because the, the gold chain that you get for Christmas or the, the diamond ring or the new pair of shoes or the flat screen TV, the bonus check, none of that is satisfying. And it's cool. And I hope you enjoy what it does. But at the end of the day, Real peace only comes through Jesus Christ. He's putting you in relationship with a holy yet loving God who cares for people. How many of you have experienced the true love of God? Raise your hand if you have experienced the true love of God. That's what this is about. But there is an enemy who wants to twist us out of it. And so Philippians, the fourth chapter, go there real quick. Philippians chapter four. I'm going to give you some passages of scripture. I'll give them all to you. And, um, and then you can go over them as you, um, as you have time. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read 4, verse 4 to 8. And I also want to give you, um, let, me give you a, let me give you all of the scriptures ahead of time. Um, I also want to give you uh, St. First uh, John, we'll do First John. First John, chapter four, verse sixteen to twenty-one, and then Mark, chapter four. You can read the entire chapter in Mark. Um, great, great chapter, but specifically verse nineteen. If you want to highlight that, it's Mark chapter four, verse nineteen, and then um, Saint John, chapter thirteen, verses. 1 to 5. St. John chapter 13, verses 1 to 5. First thing I'll talk to you about is identity. Listen to this. No one who knows 
who God has made them to be would ever want to be anybody else. Let me say it again. No one who knows who God has made them to be would ever want to be anyone else. So when you see identity, you got to look at the very creative power of God. God's power to create. That's why the trees don't compete with each other. You got, you got maple, you know, you got evergreen. You have all these different trees, and they are good with who they are because God's made them to be that. But the enemy twists us out of, out of identity. And so we look around, it's like, I wish I was more like him. I wish I was more like her. This whole thing that I'm talking about with peace really has to do with now um, the freedom from the anxiety that the enemy tries to come at us with. And this is an anxious season that we're in. Anxious. Why am I getting in an argument with you on my way to buy a gift for somebody else? Because it's Christmas and we're so happy. Yet, I'm getting, I'm frustrated, I'm nervous, I'm, I'm anxious, I'm, 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 I'm hype. And this is supposed to be this, the season is... <laughs> Peace on earth. Peace on earth. You know what the, you know, Christmas, you know, Christmas really, the Christ mass, Christ, you know, the word Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ, Christ means anointed one. It's the one that God poured his power and presence on. And, and when this whole peace on earth, this Christmas time, we celebrate this is, this is how I look at Christmas. It is the celebration that the one who is meant to set us free is on the planet. He's here now. That's what we're celebrating. The first part of the movie um, Ben-Hur, I don't know, maybe you've ever seen this old movie Ben-Hur. Um, and it, the very beginning of the movie is um, the wise men following the star and, you know, the whole deal with the angels that are saying, hey, peace on earth, goodwill to men, glory to God in the highest. What are we, what are we celebrating? The one who's going to fix it has arrived. That's what Christmas is about. We celebrate, finally, he's here. The Messiah is here. The Messiah is here. That's what, that's what it's about. That's, that's the peace, the one who's going to fix it all. Man, and they heard about it, they heard about it, they heard about it, they heard about it, and finally, he's here. Which is why when he walked into the temple that day in Luke chapter 4, around verse 18, and he asked for the, the attendant for the scroll, and he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, heal brokenhearted, set at liberty those that are bruised. You know, all of that, and then he closed the book, and he sat down, and he said, today, this thing right here that they were talking about is fulfilled in your ears. I'm the one. I'm that guy. 
and they couldn't even receive it. In fact, in that very setting, they got so angry, they tried to run him out of town and push him off a cliff. Man, because they couldn't receive that the comforter had come. The anointed one is here. So when you, when you go through this season, yeah, let it be about the gifts. Enjoy the gifts. Enjoy the lights. Enjoy all of that. You know, I was out with my son putting some, you know, normally Pam does it every year, goes out and puts lights out on the front, but she couldn't do it this year. So Jordan and I are out putting, putting lights. It's, oh, it's great. Putting lights out. But it goes bigger than the lights. I want everybody to know. I'm celebrating the fact that one day, the baby was born that would become the man that would sacrifice his life that would make peace between man and God a reality. It says the price, it says, it says the peace that was necessary between God and man, God put on Jesus. Oh, man. Now it was heavy. Because it wasn't just that he died. When they came by to see him, Jesus was already dead. You know, the other two thieves on the cross weren't, so they had to break their, their legs, you know, just to tech. Are they dead? You know, because crucifixion was supposed to kill you. But this thing was bigger than just the crucifixion. It was all sin. Past, present, every, every bit of wickedness was put on that man, Christ Jesus. In fact, it says in uh, Isaiah 53, it says he's got no form in comeliness. You can't even recognize him as a human being. That's how disfigured he was, and it wasn't because of the scourging or pulling out the beard or them punching in his face. It wasn't because of that. That'll do the same thing that it did to the other guys who were scourged. But sin is what twisted Jesus and disfigured him. All of that came on, and he saw it coming. This is why he's like, my God. When it happened, he's like, my God, you're gone. You've forsaken me. You're talking about, you're talking about a darkness and a loneliness to be able to have God gone? And he experienced that for us so we wouldn't have to. So that we could be at peace with God. The most miserable person on the planet is the person that's out of the will of God. And some people think it's people who are Christians. No, it's really the Christian who has gotten completely away from God. So, Philippians 4. Philippians 4, remember that statement that I gave you. No one knows who, no one who knows who God has made them to be would ever want to be anyone else. The uniqueness of who you are is the greatest gift that you have. You are unique, and God has created you. But when you bring in things like anxiety, it comes at the love that exists between you and the Father. See, the love, the love of God is what gave me my identity. He's like, son, I love you. Whosoever is born of God is born of love. 
Because you found out he loves you. And if you do love him, it's only in response to the love that the Father has for you. But anxiety fights against that. Because now it's like, ah, I'm stressed. Now I'm nervous. Now my responses are absent from love, and it attacks the love. So if you're, if you're going through any level of anxiety right now, any level of anxiety at all, you're going to have to go back to love. Go back to that place. Repent. And when I say repent, I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm not talking about that repent. Repent really just means change your mind. You know, I told you a little story about the little girl came into the elevator. All these people came in. Pick me up, Daddy. I want to see what you see. That's repentance. Repentance is, Lord, I need to put your lens on because right now these things are messing me up. Whatever it is, whether it's death, whether it's sickness, whether it's family relationship breakdown, whether it's a financial issue, whether it's a temptation, whatever it is, don't let anxiety infect your love for God and God's love for you. That's what the enemy wants. He wants it to attack your identity. I know who I am. Even when the storm comes, like Julie was saying earlier, I can't see the river. Because all this fog, what's, what's all this fog I can't see? I need to make sure I know, like, uh, like Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. And we listen to Nicole C. Mullins sing that. I know my Redeemer lives. It's so good. And she's like, I know that, I know that, I know. Like, oh, it's so good. Until the problem really comes. Do I know my Redeemer lives? The one who makes all things right. Do I know he lives? Do I know he lives in me? Do I know he loves me? Oh, man. This is it. And practically, I always preach from where I'm at. I always try and preach from where I'm at. And it's good for me over the years to preach from where I'm at because it helps me to get out of situations. Like where Pam and I are. Man, we, 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 have, to, we have to confess on a daily basis who we are in identity. Otherwise, stuff will mess you up. It'll mess you up. So I'm not telling you something that's through theology, something that's in Scripture. I'm telling you what we have to live through. And we have seen God come through. The enemy would want to twist. He'd want to bring shame. He'd want to bring regret. He'd want to bring bitterness. He'd want to bring all of that stuff. Anxiety infects love. You can't be anxious and keep the kind of fervent relationship that the Lord has for you. You can't be. You can't be. Look at the definitions for anxiety. Look at this. Exalting another idea over what, the God, over what God the Father has already promised. Now look at this now. Exalting another idea over what God the Father has already promised. It is surrendering my heart and my thoughts to that which is inferior to the word of God. Hmm. So he says, I love you. It's like, oh, man, I feel so unloved. Everybody else got somebody, and I don't have anybody. Mm. And the father has said, I love you with an everlasting love. That's why I said earlier, you must know what the word of God says. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we get around believers. That's why we get discipled and we disciple so that people are not alone in their thoughts. And when the tempter comes, 
the thief. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill, destroy. He's not just trying to you know, mess your body up and, and get you to die. Ultimately, he would love that. But the reality is he wants your life messed up while you're living. So he'll steal your hope. He'll steal your joy. But we got to remember Jesus said, my joy and my peace, no one can take from you. See, we can't let the anxiety of it rob our identity founded in love. We have to focus on that. And I have to do that. I, I, look, my way, my way of journaling and keeping my thoughts in line is through singing and writing songs. And, and I have to do that to remind myself of what God said. And some of you are poets, and some of you, like, like Vandell, is an is a, a artist, and you're drawing these things. Some of you are writers, and you write books. You know, oh, whatever it is, make sure you remember that you are a loved son or a loved daughter born of a loving father. We don't let the anxiety come in and rob me. I mean, he cannot, he cannot have my peace. Look at the definition for peace. Definition for peace. The definition for peace. It is the abiding presence of the Spirit of God in a person's life. It is the felt awareness of the Holy Spirit. Simply put, peace is a person. Peace is a person. Peace is in the absence of noise. Peace is in the absence of war. It is the abiding presence of the Spirit of God in my life. So I live with every kind, all manner of peace. I'm settled. Pam and I have been praying about peace even in our bodies, where we want the peace of God to flow through all the different parts of the body. So the nerve is in harmony with the cells, and the cells are in harmony with the blood vessels. And they're in harmony with the bones and the ligaments, the joints. But it ought to be that in every other part, that you ought to be in the body of Christ and with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in peace. I live in peace. And I fight for peace. I don't just fight for everybody. Shh, everybody be quiet. Let's make it peaceful. No. No. Things can be going crazy around me, and I can have the peace of God. All right, so I want you to get, want you to get those two definitions. St. John chapter 4, verses 4 through, verses 16 to 21. Let's go there. St. John chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. Look at this. It says, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Man, what a verse. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love. Everybody say that together. One, three. One, two, three. There is no fear in love. Let's say it again. There is no fear in love. Say it again. There is no fear in love. Say it again. 
There is no fear in love. Say it again. There is no fear in love. Look at the rest of it. A perfect love or perfected love casts out fear. It annihilates fear. The love of God annihilates fear. It blows it up. It completely destroys it. Fear, anxiety, stress. When love comes, it annihilates all of them. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out. One translation says, cast out all fear. Look at what it says about fear. Because fear involves torment. A little torment or a lot of torment. A little stress or a lot of stress. Who's bringing you stress right now? What's bringing you stress right now? Who stole your joy? When did you lose your joy? When did you lose your peace? There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Look at verse 19. We love him because he first loved us. Look at the relationship. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God who he's not seen? And this is the commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Remember a definition for love. It's the God-given ability to view another as valuable and precious. Now, you don't have to say this, but just look around the room for a minute. Just look around the room for a minute. See all the faces. And just in your heart, say, God, they're valuable and they're precious to me. Now, here's the deal. Can you say that to the person who's bought you stress? And it's hard to do that if you yourself have not really received identity that God sees you as valuable and precious. You don't have to, com com you don't have to compete, even in a disagreement, even in an argument, even when trying to get somebody to do something that you want them to do, and they don't do it. You don't have to be frustrated. I was coaching somebody the other day. They said, I've got this mentee, and, and they asked me to be their mentor, and I'm, I'm helping them with stuff, but, man, they're not listening to me. And it gets me so frustrated. I'm like, why are you frustrated? You are a gift to them. Don't let their issue rob you of your peace. And there you are walking around. Man, I can't believe that. Gosh. It's like, hey, how you doing? I'm all right. You know, God is good. Yeah, all the time, all the time, I know. Really? Somebody's taking your peace. Somebody's taking your joy, whether it's your job, your family, your neighbor, the doctor's report, the bill collector, the government, community. Jesus says nobody has the authority to take your peace. You need to write that down. Nobody has the authority to take your peace. And no situation has the authority to take your peace. So your priority then, I've given you one of my personal, this personal, one of my priority verses in my life. Because I'm growing you, I'm developing you, I'm leading you as a, as a father in the house, as a coach, as a leader, you know, pastor, all of that. 
not just based on the word of God, but based on me and maturity in the word of God. You got to have somebody in your life that's bigger, that's gone through some things, and they themselves are, that's how you know you have a good counselor, good, you know, yeah, I got this counselor, this person really, you know, therapist, whatever. Make sure that um, they are going in the direction that you're going in. That's one. Number two, make sure that um, they themselves are further along. Make sure that um, they love you. Make sure they are not in this to dominate you. Now that last one is a big one because that's what, whether you are being coached or you are doing the coaching, that's really where the identity and relationship really has a chance to get you messed up. Because people will listen to you or not listen to you, whether you're on the receiving end or whether you're on the giving end, and man, that'll frustrate you. And all of a sudden, somebody calls, hey, how you doing? I'm all right, what happened? Man, I'm trying to get this person. So all of a sudden, your peace is gone. You can't even sleep. I've had moments like that, you know, years past, you know, decades past. And Pam's sleep is soundly. She's asleep. And I'm like, gosh. She wakes up. She's like, you're all right. I'm like, yeah, I can't believe. She's like, oh, okay. And she's going back off to sleep. And I'm going through it. Until God showed me how to just, he said, son, let it go. You know when the Bible says, and Peter, cast all of your care on him, for he cares for you. He says, be sober, realizing that Satan walks around like a lion, seeking who can, he can devour. Somebody told me once, you know, he, says, he didn't say he was a lion. He says, like a lion, which means he has a loud roar, but he doesn't have any teeth. He's looking for somebody to devour, but his strategy is for you to go and lay down in his presence. He says, okay, devour me. Come in with the bitterness, come in with the shame, come in with the, the self-condemnation, and it'll mess you up when it comes to your peace. So, priority verse, priority verse for me, priority verse for me, Proverbs chapter 4, 23. Above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. What, what part of my heart am I guarding? I'm guarding the love part. Jesus said in Revelation chapter Two, he said, I've, you know, you're doing all these great things, and you got it down. You got structure down. You got gifting down. You got all of these things down. You even don't like the things that I don't like. He says, but that whole love, deep affection that we would share between each other, you've left that part. You've forgotten who you are. And then he says, at one point when he starts to go on and say there are things you need to fix, he says, remember the height from which you've fallen. And go back to those early days. When I do marriage counseling, the first thing I start with, say, hey, how'd you guys meet? <laughs> you know? Because they come in with an attitude, man. They come in and they're one sitting on that side of the couch, the other one sitting on that side of the couch. I'm sitting there or Pam and I are both sitting there and we're just talking. So, so we, we got to get the memory and we need to get some of this affection going again so we don't start with, all right, so what's going on? What happened? No, no, never start there. 
so how'd you meet? Well, I saw him at the supermarket. <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And you get it going. Jesus is saying, remember the height from which you fall. Remember identity that came through love. When you found out that I love you, not for what you bring me, but for who you are. And that I gave you that love. And the very love that exists between me, Jesus, and, and him, the Father, and here, the Holy Spirit. This love that we have, we put this love in you. So you now have the capacity to love us back and to love others. Remember that? And some, uh, some of our spiritual kids are, were over the house one day, and, and one of them found a ladybug. And they had the ladybug, and it's like, well, what are you going to do? It's like, I don't, I don't want to mess it up. I don't want to mess it up. So maybe we can take it outside. So no, I'm going to put it in my pocket in a napkin. I'm going to take it home. You know, and then I'm going to put it out into the wall so they can still survive. Unfortunately, we have so much offense and wound and bitterness. Some of us see ladybugs like, get out of here. Get out of here. Jesus says, go back and do your first works. When there was tenderness and it didn't matter if nobody else loved you. I love you. It didn't matter if you didn't receive anything else. You received from me. See, the absence of the anxiety of all these other things It'll keep that from being infected. I cannot allow my love to be infected. So I guard my heart. That's why those things that I've given you in the, earlier, I remember you know, back in, I don't know, March, probably when I first started talking to you about those three things, you know, be quick to repent, quick to forgive, quick to love. What is that? It's guarding my heart. I don't have space for anxiety and frustration and bitterness. You know what bitterness is? Bitterness is, is, is murder that has not matured. Yeah. I'm bitter, and I feel like killing them. <laughs> I feel like her, but because I, I can't, it's just going to. That's the anxiety that comes in relationship. The other anxiety that comes in is, is how you feel about yourself. Shame, self-condemnation, all of that. That's, that, those are the suicidal things that have not matured. You're not going to kill yourself, but man, you just feel horrible all the time. All of this anxiety, all of this stress, me to me, me to others, others to me that I've allowed to infect me. And whether it happens again, school, government, community, family, church, it doesn't matter where it is. All of that stuff has the potential to get in, and you've got to guard your heart. How do you guard your heart? Two things. Two things, two ways you guard your heart, and you get that out of the book of Philippians. Go back to Philippians for me, Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 4, and we're going to read right through it. He says, rejoice in the Lord always or all the time, and again I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is here. See, that's really what God wants. God sent Jesus preaching peace, but then Jesus says, I want you to receive my peace so that you can go and deliver and preach peace. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. Everybody say that loud. Be anxious for nothing. One more time. 
be anxious for nothing. One more time. Be anxious for nothing. Now look at these three verses. These three verses are really important. It says, be anxious for nothing, but in prayer and everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read that again. Let's go back just for a second. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. Look at verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Ah, so, your responsibility, my responsibility is verse 6 and verse 8. God's promise is verse 7. You see that? Verse 6 and verse 8 are our responsibility. Remember, give the Holy Spirit something to work with. God says with his promise, you'll get verse 7. So what is verse? Let's go back again. Let's look at verse uh, 6. This is verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. So don't let anything come in to infect you through anxiety. No anxiety. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So we got some thanksgiving um, that's on the, the front end of everything that happens even before God does his part. Be thankful. Be thankful. Finding creative ways. What causes you to be thankful? You're in the middle of stuff, and then you're like, all right, what can I thank God for? Once I do that, I'm thanking him for life. I'm thanking him for forgiveness. I'm thanking him, look, I... I told you, but that whole thing that was going on with Pam in the hospital, it was real. I, 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 I will do my best to try and give you real scenarios so that you see while I'm going through it. I told you a couple weeks ago, look, everybody's family member is gone processing, in surgery, processing, in a room. In surgery, processing, in a room. And one by one, people are leaving. And this is from 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. Frustration kicks in. Where are you at? What's going on? You should have still been out of surgery. See, I don't get to hide behind Pastor Terry. I don't get to hide behind titles and gifts. I don't get to hide behind that. Because at the end of the day, thoughts are coming into my mind. Anxiety is coming on me. The all of this stuff. And so in the middle of it, thank you, Father, for who you are. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love her. I love her. You know, walking around, looking at images, looking at using my imagination, inviting the Holy Spirit in to now guard my thoughts and guard my heart. Otherwise, I'll let that anxiety bring in frustration. 
So when the doctor does walk in, dude, where you been? It's been 12 hours, man. You see? And somebody could walk in. Pastor Terry, is that you screaming? <laughs> no, this is real. And whether it has to do with something like that or a bill collector calling you or you getting laid off or a family member calling you and falsely accusing you for something, you get into an argument or your neighbor, you know, bagging into your bush or something. Whatever it is, the enemy wants to rob you of your peace. And Jesus is the prince of peace. So you got to take verse 6 and say, I'm not going to let that anxiety come in. In other words, the definition with anxiety, I'm not going to let an idea be higher than what God has said about me and my situation. He says, son, I love you. I've always loved you. So I care about you. Here, think about this. And what God has given me and what I have learned how to call upon are this. Write this word down. Write this phrase down. Write this phrase down. This phrase, this phrase, beautiful phrase. It has saved me in some very challenging emotional moments. He has given me divine distractions. Divine distractions. And I will tell you, he has used all kinds of things. Sometimes he uses Tom and Jerry. Divine distraction. And sometimes we sit and we think and we mull over it, and we mull over it, and we mull over it, and we're like, God, you're going to have to help me. Well, all you've been putting in there is stuff to feed the anxiety. You got to bring in something different. Jesus gave a parable. He says there was a guy, there was a guy who got delivered. He says there was a house. It got delivered, and all the bad stuff came out, but the stuff it was empty. The house was empty. And then the bad that wanted to come back saw that it was empty, and it says, we're going to come in here. We're going to sit in here. We're never going to move. And the Bible says the last state of that place was worse than the first. Well, Jesus talked about that as it relates to our minds. Our minds. See, that first, verse 6, he says, hey, make sure you're not allowing anxiety to get in. Be thankful, be grateful, find the divine distractions. And then verse 8 says, finally, whatever is lovely, just, pure, think on, meditate on, dwell on these things. Then you'll get the promise of God. What is the promise of God? The peace that passes all understanding. It'll guard your heart and mind by Christ Jesus. Wave at me if this is making sense. Is it making sense? This is how we go through it. This is how we live through it. I've walked into some homes. So, Pastor, where you come to? I've walked in a home, and I walk in a home, and I, it's, it's almost like figuratively, you know, I gotta be like, yo, where is it going? Because you walk in, and you know it's just nothing but drama, anger, argument, or shame, sadness. It's like, oh. And so what do I do? It's like, mm, I can't be here. Call me when you get it together. No, I can't do that. Why? Because the Prince of Peace gave me peace, and now I am a carrier of his peace. And I get to walk in saying, okay, let's remind ourselves of who God is, how much he loves you, how much he's for you. I remember a pastor in Philadelphia, he knows about it. They know about it. We taught about it. Gave it. So this isn't something secret. I remember when they were dating this is Pastor Ernest and Pastor Sharon. When they were dating, they came to our house. Um, 
And as soon as they came to the house, you know, I'm opening the door, hey, y'all. And they're like, mm. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, this is going to be good. And, and Pam was like, honey, don't say that. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be good. We're going to set them free. Come on, y'all, let's talk about it. Let's reason together. Let's bring God's opinion into this. Let's not sit in this and soak in this. No, that's how it ought to be. That's how it ought to be. And that's how I want to be for your house. When you go home, you, you deal peace and you deal hope. That's what you deal. You walk in the kitchen and bring peace and light. And if they're not ready to receive it, then look for something. Do like Jesus did. Jesus always had something to say, you know, but he starts off with, he says, oh, you know what, I love that about you. Oh, you know what, I love that about you. You know what the Bible says about that? A soft word turns away wrath. Wrath doesn't fix wrath. You got to bring in something different. Otherwise, it's insanity. You know the definition for insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. So you bring in peace. Thank God for Jesus who came with peace. All right, so um, the last thing that I'll share with you, and I don't have time to go through it all. So you, you look at uh, uh, Corinthians, I mean, uh, St. John chapter 13. Spend some time looking at that yourselves. Uh, St. John chapter 13. Um, Jesus is about to die. He knows it. He gets it. He knew what was about to come. And I told you how horrible that thing was. He's about to die. And um, I go to verse, go to verse, uh, I, well, I'll just read through it real quick. Now, the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Verse 2. At supper being ended, the devil having already, this is a deep scene, y'all, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. There's a relationship. Jesus had to go through it. Did he know? Yes. But he's still in relationship. He's touched with the feelings. Jesus ain't never been betrayed. Yes, he is. Yeah, but he's the Lord of glory. No, but he's got the feelings. I know what it's like for somebody to gossip about you and talk about you and say this stuff. About. I know what it's like, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things, listen to this, had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God. Now, do you see that? Jesus sees the horror, yet this is what he's meditating on, that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going to God. All of this stuff was about to be fixed. That's what he's focusing on. Look at verse 4. So Jesus rose from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel out, girded himself, put the towel around himself, and look what he did. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. What are we talking about? We're talking about the kind of divine distraction and serving that gets him through the moment and gets him to where he's called to go to. Now, whose feet is he washing? He's washing everybody's feet. He's washing Peter and James and John. You know John, the one Jesus loved. That's how John always identified himself. Yo, 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 all y'all good, but me, I'm the one Jesus loved. What's, what must have that have been like in relationship? 
Yo, my name is John, and everybody else says, I know the one Jesus loved. He washed all their feet, but he also washed Judas's feet. Are you talking about stress and anxiety? I know you're going to betray me. I know what's in your heart. But because I've received love from the Father, and because he's put all things into my hands, I know my identity so I can take care of you even when there is stuff going all around. Who do you need to be serving is the question that I will ask you. And he began to wash their feet and wipe them with the towel with which he was is how you handle anxiety. Remember your identity. Remember the authority that the Father has given you. Remember the fact that he loves you. Guard that love. Guard that tenderness. Guard it. Guard it. Now, after I close, after I close, um, I'm going to be here for a little bit. We're going to end service, and so those of you that need to leave, you can leave, but um, I'm going to pray for those who are having some issues with anxiety. And this is, this is a safe environment. There's no shame here. There's no walk. Don't let the enemy keep you from the blessing of God. Some of you need hands laid on you because you've got some relational stuff going on or you've got some physical stuff going on or some financial stuff going on. And I'm not saying I'm going to lay my hands on you and you're going to go outside and there's going to be this leprechaun and this big pot of gold out there. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that you're going to receive that the God Father cares about you. And all things will work together for good. Whatever it's going to be, he's going to work it out for your good and you're going to be fine. But I also want to give you a boost so that in the middle of all of it, you can know who you are and you can find others to serve. I've experienced crazy frustration in my life. And as I say all the time, I could keep you here till next week telling you some of the things that have happened to me. But one of the things that my wife has found out about me and she has seen me over the years in stress. And she says, oh, hey, honey, um, why don't you call so-and-so? I said, why don't you call so-and-so? She says, just give them a call. I give them a call. Next thing you know, I'm pouring into them. I'm blessing them. I get off the phone all hype. And she's like, and I'm like, man, guess what's going on? Look what God did. She's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's so nice. You know, decades, man, decades. I, I learned stuff when I was in my 20s, and those principles are still working. Find somebody to serve. Find somebody to bless. Bow your heads where you are. Father, thank you that we get to live under an open heaven. Oh, you are so good. Thank you for loving these that are here. Those in this room, those online, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you have given us a peace that passes all understanding. But today, Father, we ask you just to help us to guard our hearts. Help us to think on the right thing, to guard our minds and the gates to our minds. I pray, Father, for the men and the women that are on these rows, in these pews, that are leading in parts of families. The enemy wants to bring anxiety and fear, guilt, Let's to stir up immature murder, immature suicide. I pray that you fill them with the knowledge of your will that peace was sent by Jesus to bring us in right relationship with you 
and to be free to represent you everywhere we go. You are so good. And Father, for those that don't know you, oh, touch their hearts. Open their eyes. Give them a dream. Give them a vision like you gave Peter on the roof. Send, send a billboard to show up in front of them. A cloud to come a particular way. A commercial that you can use. You can use anything. An animal, you can use anything. Lord, I pray that you get the hearts and the minds of those who are present today that don't know you. May they see your love. May they feel your embrace. May they understand all that you went through, Jesus so that peace could be purchased for people. Bless, we pray. May words bubble up in the heart that says, I believe, Jesus, you love me. I believe, Jesus, you died for my sins. I believe you were buried for me and raised up from the dead so that I can experience new life. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Today I make you my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. Help me to grow in my relationship with God through you, Jesus. Fill me with your Spirit. Help me to guard my heart and give the peace out that you gave to me this in the name of Jesus Christ.